Welcome, listeners, to another week of RVA Dirt's Municipal Mania. Mania, 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 mania. That's a little, that, that, that was a weak mania. mania. Okay. I know, I, I got lots of allergies. <laughs> It is. We're suffering, y'all. Suffering. We're here. We're here. Yeah. We're here on WRIRLP 97.3 FM Richmond Independent Radio. And um, so we have a fun topic today, friend. Yes. It's very timely, very uh, in the news. Mm-hmm. And if you're not paying attention to this, um, well, shame on you. Well, people paying attention to it, but see, we're, we're at split areas now. I think most people are on the same page. I hope so. Took, you know, it took for us to get to this point, but told you so. So we actually got a guest. <laughs> <So> true. <laughs> we got a guest. We got a guest with us, and we're always happy to have community voices and guests. And we're gonna cover something that we've briefly talked about here and there. But we're gonna talk. We're gonna go into depth into this and talk about this thing today. We're gonna be covering one of the infamous Richmond Blackwell Manchester developers, the Hills. Should I put in like a dramatic gopher sound right here? Dun, dun, dun. I, I almost did that for you. <laughs> <laughs> feel free, feel free. <laughs> so before we dig into this, because this, this is going to be a conversation, let's... Um, Go ahead and get your tea ready. I'm telling you, get it ready. Pinky's up because it's about to be some tea Let's introduce who we have in studio with us to talk about this. We're so excited. I think this is your first time on our show. It is. Hey, y'all. It's Cherie. I just did a country accent for y'all. There you go. I <laughs> know <laughs> uh, it's Cherie Shannon. You guys probably have seen me on Twitter at Cherie Shannon 27. Yeah. It's not Sherry. It's actually Cherie. A lot of people are confused about that. <laughs> um, but I actually live in Manchester on Hull Street. And so I'm a resident in Southside Richmond. Professionally, I am a communication strategist. And so I'm all about government relations and PR. Uh, mm-hmm. Try not to do too much of the spin doctor thing. But um, while I'm here in Richmond, I'm definitely focused on environmental issues, especially environmental justice, and just helping out wherever I can within the community. So that's me. Yay! She also sits behind us every council month. I try to. (laughs) And tweets, yeah. Yes, yes. Fellow live tweeter. I know, right? We need more of those. So we're really happy to have you here, and especially to get your insight on this as a resident, somebody who's actually physically affected by and has been a part of this conversation oh, yes. from the beginning yeah yeah i try to be i mean we moved to uh manchester in like august 2017 and mm-hmm. it really didn't take as long to get hit on what's happening and who's who and mm-hmm. you know, what was going on so we uh my husband and i were not the biggest fans of michael hill very early on and that was not hard to figure out mm-hmm. how did you feel like your other neighbor's reception to the hills was I just don't think people knew the, you know, the reason why we knew was because we would show up to neighborhood association meetings. Mm -hmm. And that's something that more people need to do. Hello, go to your neighborhood association meetings. Mm -hmm. They Um, all have Facebook pages and websites and stuff. And their meetings are always posted. Please Mm -hmm. go. Yes, Mm -hmm. please. I mean, and and that's where you find out about new zoning issues and businesses and houses that are being built. And so for us, we were always just trying to make people aware of what was coming to the neighborhood and then just making folks aware of what was going on. And so we would just discover all kinds of shady things that were happening with the Hills as far as harassing business owners. Mm -hmm. Um, There's little super secret shady plans they would always have, especially with the historic designation of Blackwell. That Mm -hmm. was a mess. 
Mm. Um, Especially with Blackwell's history, uh, mm. too, and how they've been done dirty for... Ever. Forever. I mean, you it's... You can't count it. For somebody to have the audacity to come in there and then... Yeah, and not to consult the community. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. it's was, it was very appalling. It is, it's also one of those things where um, people were very hush-hush. So it's like a lot of folks knew what was going on, but people didn't really want to go on the record about what was going on. And I think a lot of that had to do with the fact uh, that there are they are a huge developer couple in mm-hmm. which they're they're going to threaten to sue you. They're going to threaten legal action. They're going to try to make your life a living hell. And mm-hmm. most people don't want to deal with that. But he knows where I stand with him, so I don't have no problems with that. So Hello. Oh, what was your first encounter with, uh, with Michael Hill? Oh, Joey. Um, so... <laughs> Indy and I, we would go to the Manchester Alliance meetings and, you know, just typical neighborhood association stuff. But the topic of street art and graffiti came up. And mm. Michael was very disparaging of just street art in general. And he was talking about property values. And he went into this whole dog whistle um, mm. with a lot of racist overtones. Mm. And so I, I had to lecture him. And I'm just like, for one, don't call people thugs. Don't, mm. you know, that came up quite often. Um with his discussion on the issue, but I was saying street art has a lot of value. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're worth, murals are worth millions of dollars and you shouldn't be telling people what they can and can't do on their properties because it's gonna make your property do something. I'm like, it's actually probably gonna increase the value of your property if you think about it. Around here, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, but again, a Richmonder would know that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, I mean, people, uh, the thing is though is, <laughs> The value um, transcends dollars mm-hmm. for that. No, you know? not not and, not for these. But people. not in their minds, because mm-hmm. from what I've gathered, it's all about the dollars. It them. absolutely is. So, so, let, so before we get too deep into into the, who these people are as, as people, let's talk about first why they're in the news. So recently, you know, th- these people moved into the area, and um, these people they did these people they are. I mean, you just <laughs> want to be like they do these people. They, they they live in Churchill and. Um, they started acquiring different properties and different things, and they actually um, founded two separate businesses. So the reason that we're actually talking about it right now um, is because uh, Michael, the husband, founded uh, LiveWell Financial in April of two, 2005. And LiveWell, I believe, was in the top, um, one of the top in the nation for... Yes, number seven. Yeah, seven in the nation for... Um, reverse mortgages. And so if you don't know what that is to, you know, take a minute to look it up. It's a hot ass mess um, in the first place as a principal, but whatever. It, it tends to prey on elderly folks uh, <laughs> that don't have a lot of family. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, that business is, um, I equate it with, you know, payday loans and it's definitely that predatory. Nature. It's very predatory. And, you know, they, that was one of the things that they started. And so I've, I've been told um, by several people that, you know, he didn't fund it solely by himself. There were some silent funders um, who are still around in Richmond and they're hoping to get their return and their money back. Um, <laughs> so we'll see. And and not all of them are Mike fans, actually, which is interesting. But anywho, um, the company was very successful. And through that time, Mike also started with his wife, Laura, um, who is now actually a principal of a company uh, here in Richmond as well. But they both started Churchill Ventures together. And so 
over time, Churchill Ventures started to acquire different properties, started to do a lot of rehabbing of properties. I mean, really just scooped up any and everything that was available on Hall Street. And you had a lot of controversy over several different properties. One property they wanted um, for something in particular, and people were kind of hoping that it would be acquired for a homeless shelter. And it was just back and forth, just a whole lot of different things, just different properties. They started... How many properties did they end up owning in... So it depends because it depends on what time period you're talking about because they actually purchased a lot of property and in the early or the late 2000s, they actually relinquished a lot of properties back because they couldn't get the, um, it's kind of a toss up. Sometimes they said it was, they couldn't get the SUP for it. Mm -hmm. Other times they said they couldn't get the funding to do what they wanted to do for it because they had probably overvalued what it was. Gotcha, gotcha, yeah. Different things. So they literally would just snatch up everything that was, you know, out there and then they would find out what would work and what ended up happening for a lot of these properties for really all of them the recent one more recent ones that they've done but they'd start working on the properties and they would pay the contractors a certain amount up front and then they would promise them uh, at completion the remainder of the money the retainer and they never paid them Mm. <laughs> and oh. so many of the contractors would end up having to file mechanics liens against the properties oh, before they happens. opened you know to get their money yep. back because they've put their supplies and their time and effort into these properties. And basically, Mike would pull a trump and say, well, I don't like the way that you did this, or I don't like the way that you completed this, or I wanted this completed in such and such a time. And he would just refuse to pay. And so then they would go for different reasons. They would go and say, okay, cool. I'm just going to file a lien against the property. And so that what that ends up causing in the business world is a holdup for that owner to be able to open that business or whatever it is. Maybe not so much on a rental property, but definitely as a business, they can't get the licenses that they need and different things if, when there's liens against them. So eventually they will pay, but I mean, they have to be forced to. And so aside from that, I think when you start seeing this uh, invisible veil that's created between Churchill Ventures and Mike himself. So basically he's given the wife uh, sole ownership and power over Churchill Ventures and separated himself from it, kind of, you know, create this veil, was apparently, if you look back at the dates, is also when the FBI investigation into Live Well Financial says the potential fraud actually began. So it looks as if he mm. was making sure that I'm getting ready to do some illegal ass shit and I don't want these properties that are our cash cow included in this. And Laura actually owned a an oyster bar before they started, you know, okay. flipping properties and stuff in um in the Blackwell Manchester area, but you know, it's just so essentially what happened and why he's in trouble, he overinflated the value. This is going to be a major oversimplification of what it is, but he overinflated um, the value of some principles and some properties that he claimed live well owned in order to get bonds written um, by three different, uh, cre- the last three creditors that are included in this case, it's actually three, Flagstar Bank, Myar, Asset Securities, and Commercial Bank of China, Financial Services LLC, and it's a total. So basically, they secured the bonds, and then um, when they started doing the research and figuring it out, the properties weren't nearly worth what he said they were. And then when he removed those properties from those bonds, and you no longer have any principal there, and people start, you know, questioning things and where, <laughs> what's going on, and then he sh- closes up shop out of the blue. 
doesn't say a word, owes these people upward of $130 million. And um, they figure out that the properties are not nearly worth as much as they're supposed to be. He shuts down shop in May of last year, 2018, did not give the necessary legal requirement of either a 60-day notice to his employees. When you have a business of a certain size, you have to do that. Or don't give them any notice and just pay them for 60 days worth of pay. He did neither. And so there's actually a suit against, um, and, and they're hoping that it becomes a class action suit from, you know, against him from the employees of LiveWell Financial who are seeking their money, basically. But they were forced into a Chapter 7 uh, bankruptcy from a bankruptcy court in Delaware, maybe in June. And so um, they did that to force or to keep... Uh, Mike from liquidating even properties that were in his name and associated with the business so that these creditors could actually get their money back because it's not a handful of dollars. It's a lot of money. Yeah. During this time, evidence shows that he also inflated his income by 700%. <laughs> Girl, stop. Hold on. For one of it. What? I didn't know that part. Yeah. 700%. The yeah. audacity. Yeah. Yeah. Seven, 700%. And so... <laughs> Um, Give me a minute. It's just a, it's just um, a lot, and so there's so there's it's so much just kind of tied into this. As you know, a lot of the production that he's always got something. They've always got something moving, um, and even though he tries to create this veil between himself and Churchill Ventures, um, if you talk to you know property managers or you actually get them to speak to you, which I've had several do so, he's actually making the day to day decisions and he's still telling them what to do and he's showing up when he's forced to show up to court and so on and so forth. He's directing them on how to treat uh, tenants and clients and hiring the actual people that are working in these businesses that are owned by Churchill Ventures, but he supposedly has nothing to do with them and is not considered an owner um, on paper. But the problem with that is when the money starts getting funny and mixed around, that's when, you know, they can start finding the paper trail. So, uh, you know, <laughs> he's out there and he's doing all these things and, you know, trading these properties and moving these properties around and trying to create a veil between them. But, you know, basically all of his assets um, that are connected to LiveWell Financial um, have now been forced into bankruptcy. And um, they had one conservator that was placed over the situation in June. But I believe that's now another person has actually been chosen since then during this recent uh, arrest. He was actually arrested on uh, Thursday morning. Where is that photo? I wanted the perp. I wanted the perp walk know, photo so it? bad. Everyone doing this nice headshot mm -hmm. business. Well, man, that's because right? hashtag so white, honey. <laughs> I said, where mm -hmm. is the handcuffs? That's what I want to see. I yeah, know, I yeah. See getting let out. Yeah, ha ha hashtag hand. Uh, you know, so white. If, if it had been um, anybody else, and especially someone of color, mm -hmm. we would have seen. Oh, it would be everywhere. Yeah. Oh yeah, but they gave him the dignity. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, that's hashtag so white. That's how it works. Well, because he's the savior of Manchester. <clears throat> yeah, we're going to talk about that crazy-ass <laughs> article in a little bit, too. <laughs> the lies. The lies. Oh, so, real quick, I got asked by somebody the other day. Mm -hmm. So, you guys got top 40 under 40, mm -hmm. but it's also from the same publication that said the Hills were the saviors of the Manchester mm -hmm. area. Does that diminish your award any? No, people make mistakes. People, and, um, right. You know, multiple organizations have different editors, and that's why we're going to talk about that article in a minute yeah. that uh, Melissa Hippolyte put out. 
you know, different people have different, um, there's editorial status, there's all types of things. And so sometimes people can see a lot of stuff clouds people's opinion, especially when it's attached to money and when yes. it's attached to people that they consider have influenceable power yeah. in an organization. So yeah. I'm not um, at all um, surprised that Style Magazine or any any other publication really that has any type of editorial staff is not scared out of their wits to say anything about the Hills because they will make threats. They will threaten people. They make employees sign NDAs. They make tenants sign NDAs. They don't want people talking. And when you talk, you're an enemy of them and they don't play around. They would rather spend the money to shut you up <laughs> rather than just do the right thing. Like small potatoes, sopranos. I yeah, it's. I mean, it is. I mean, and that's how they. It's just a mess. So you know, there's several different. I mean, there's so many articles. Like there's just so many things. One of these is Mark Robinson wrote this in 2018. Threatened to halt 250 million dollars of investment in South Richmond. The court shows records that the contractors have not been paid for fixing up other properties. And so it's like, you know, these people will legit start different things and just. I mean, they can't finish them really because the you know they they've got liens against the buildings. This is the liens for the material supplied and work completed to the location of Hot Diggity Donuts, which opened in June 1209 Hall Street and 1803 Boston Avenue. There's liens against them. There's liens against them, and you know the liens totaled an amount of two hundred and seventeen thousand dollars. But this man is inflating his his income, his personal salary by seven hundred percent. The money's there. They're paying 200 and some thousand dollars probably a month in just lawyer fees. They've got lawyers for everything. Oh, yeah. Everything yeah. and multiple lawyers. And so it's not as if, you know, this is something that's new. It's just like, wow. They're saying they don't owe, we don't owe them the money. <laughs> $65,000 are worth, you know, it's just kind of crazy. It's just on and on and on. And the court records, if you start pulling some of these court um, documents, which you can do, they're all public knowledge. I mean, it's just kind of crazy. It's Contractors are not getting paid for what they're doing, um, what they've already done. We're not even talking about, pro you promised me money and I'm afraid to do the work because I haven't gotten it. The work is done. You're opening the business and I haven't gotten paid. Yeah. You know, is that kind of stuff. And so you've got tenants that are complaining about, you know, them being slumlords, walking across the floor and the floor um, boards basically bow and you put your foot through the floor. Getting cussed um, at. Raw sewage being put, being like backed up in the house because, you know, when there was a property, when the, when the property was being, you know, redone and uh, renovated by them, mm -hmm. You know, Mike will tell the contractor, hey, don't worry about that main sewer line, you know, replacement or check or inspection. Yeah, don't worry about it. You know, don't worry about the termite inspection. And then you've got people falling through the floor. All kinds of things. Just I mean, and just a total disregard for people's feelings. Um, in one particular case, there was a young woman who could not stay in her unit because there was raw sewage in their unit. And she said, well, OK, I'm you know, I'm going to go down to the court. I've asked you to fix this. You're not fixing it. You're not giving me a viable solution to this. I'm going to go down and put my rent in escrow. And it was like the sum of maybe six, seven hundred dollars at the most. They paid triple that just to be in court and fight her. <laughs> like at that point, and you still ended up settling. Super Trump. And paying her. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. it, it's crazy. And so these people 
have a a history of doing this. I've spoken to so many people and people are terrified. Like they don't want to speak out against them. They'll talk, but they don't want to be named. Um, They don't want, you know, even though it's easy to figure out who they are, I guess, but you know, they're just afraid that, you know, Mike is gonna come after them. I've had people be in the restaurant and hear Mike cussing on his phone at people. Wow. Talking about things. Um, he's in here drunk and cussing are the messages that I get. And it's like, seriously? They like to present themselves a certain way as well. But it is interesting when you when I talk to other business owners or even developers, if you bring up his name, it's followed by a sigh. Mm-hmm. It's like, <sighs> yep. Yep. And it's kind of like they're bracing themselves like for this conversation they're about to have. Mm-hmm. And, you know, people are like, he's here, but no one really wants to address him or address the issue. It's just nope. like they just want him to go away. Nope. And that's part of the problem I think that we've had or, or that I felt like our community as a whole has faced with developers like Michael and Laura because, you know, people understand that there is a positive correlation between economic development and growth in a neighborhood. You absolutely need it. You know, my grandmother used to say, in order to make money, you gotta spend money. And that's true. You do have to have um, improvement. We There are lots of places that have, you know, blighted homes and different things, and you need people to come in and fix them, or, you know, you need resources or allocations for people that live in homes that, you know, can't afford to fix them. And there's so many, there's no one, you know, solution to a multifaceted problem. Right. But the problem is, I think the average everyday person who's paying attention to these issues feels like, (laughs) you know, it's it's the system is set up to serve people like Mike and Laura who can qualify and apply for historical tax credits and rehab a home and cut the corners and no one's going to say anything and pass the inspections because, you know, they're popular and somebody's seen them in Style Magazine or seen them in the paper or someone is literally representing their story from a News Channel 6 reporter that says, you know, major investor that has, you know, done so much in this area, you know, is jailed. Like, as as if it was like, man, he slipped up and, like, fell into a fraud scheme. Right. <laughs> no, no. When that's not what happened. And it's so, all been calculated. It has. It has been calculated. And so, you know, I've been following the story for a while. Um, just to add to that, two additional um, employees of LiveWell were actually also um, charged and indicted. Um and they are actually, they pled guilty and they are cooperating um, with the FBI investigation. And so I'm sure we're gonna- womp womp. Right, so I'm sure we're gonna see some things come up. One of them was the actual financial. I think it was the CFO, and the other one was the head trader. Yes, yep, yep. So we're gonna see some things, I think, come of this, but you know, people tried to talk about this and they just opened Dog Crown Brewery about a month ago and y'all dummies, you know, went in there for Taco Tuesday and, you know, y'all flooded the place out and you're still supporting these people. But then you turn around and say, OMG, you know, we need a grocery store or these are the only people that are helping us. And it's like, well, what are they helping? Because I think they're kind of helping their pockets. If you talk to people, previous employees and some current ones too, for these little small businesses that they've opened up on Hall Street, they're understaffed. There's stories. There's actually stories. If you guys really want to get deep into it, check out Reddit and and look on Airbnb. You know, they've got some Airbnb properties as well that have been marked by Airbnb as difficult neighborhoods. And the hum, 
and they rent the properties out. They rent the properties out, and you'll have uh, people from outside of the area that really don't know the city or anything. And they'll start asking questions and looking, saying, hey, you know, is this a safe place for me and my kids, my small kids to walk from here to there and so and so, because that's what we're looking for. And the response will basically be um, from the owners, from Mike, like, uh, you know, don't tell them shit. Like, let them get here and figure it out. That ain't my problem. You're in the middle of another riveting episode of RVA Darts Municipal Mania, heard every Wednesday on WRIRLP 97.3 FM Richmond Independent Radio. Wow. And it's like, oh, okay. What does that mean? And part of that narrative, and that part, a major part of that narrative Mm -hmm. is through Dogtown Dish. Yep. It's like, if you're new to this area, or even if you've been here and there's no um, outlet where you're receiving information about Mm -hmm. the neighborhood, you're Mm going to go to Dogtown Dish. You're like, oh, look at these cutesy little events and look at him writing up, you know, his blog posts about what's happening. And so folks aren't questioning who owns Dogtown Brewing Company or nope. Butterbean Market or Hot Diggity their Donuts? Prop, it's they the Hills know. propaganda machine. Yeah, and I so, mean, yeah. Let's let's talk about what that is so that people know because maybe some of our listeners don't. Dogtown Dish is actually a a kind of a blog centered. Um, yeah, that they actually put together, and it's basically blog posts that are put out by you know Michael Hill. He actually put out the last thing that's posted is the beer and sausage fest um that was august the 28th and you know you just have all these different things it's like you know that's their way of creating like you said propaganda about this is what it is and you know you had people that spoke out and said hey we don't really want uh things named Dogtown for certain reasons yep and nobody would listen. I've had people argue with me and tell me there's absolutely nothing racist about Dogtown. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that name. And it's, it's also classist as... Oh. Well, you know, yes. and they're like, it's it's absolutely associated with with poor white people. So don't worry about it. No. no. <laughs> and it's, it's and, and just visually, like, so what has, what happens, because I live on Hull Street, so that's my hood. Like, I just walk up and down the street all the time. Mm-hmm. So when he has these events, like oysters and, I don't know, bring your dog to drink, or I don't know, mm-hmm. some whatever ridiculous yeah. thing. Also, that, I love my dog, but gross. Please stop bringing dogs <laughs> into restaurants. It's just, Thank I you. mean, it's these ridiculous, like, hipstery, mm-hmm. uncool events. And... It's oh so white events oh as so well. white it's so segregated it really is and oh. it was in you know a perfect example of this was when we had the richmond black restaurant experience i kick off with all of the food trucks and you had like all of these um black restaurants and business owners and just beautiful like melanated people on whole street and we're just eating and we're having a good time and you could see folks kind of looking into hot diggity donuts and butterbean and being like should i go in here am i welcome here mm-hmm. and on that sunday as that event is happening michael and laura had this event where it was all these older white people and they had their dogs there and none of them even tried to like integrate 
with what was happening on the street. It was Mm -hmm. just like they just looked at us and we looked at them and Mm -hmm. we just kept it moving. And that's not the culture that we should be trying to create for Mm -hmm. our neighborhoods. That's not Hall Street. Mm -hmm. But it's it's absolutely a part of their narrative. One of the... um, one of the last in July, July 6th, RHA, this is on Dogtown Dish, uh, fails to provide private developers for Blackwell. <laughs> fails. It fails to, pro- yeah. And it's like, basically, they talked about, they said, well, what's the cause of the hesitancy? And this is him replying. And it's like, number one, existing housing stock badly needs renovation that the market prices don't support. Two, income restricted housing dominates the area already. Um, and it's just like, you know what is this ta- i mean what what is this saying is this saying hey we don't want more of this here and so they couldn't find private developers for and we're not doing it i mean think about it. this is a literal developer reporting on this is why <laughs> rha couldn't find developers to develop blighted properties in blackwell <laughs> i mean it's like okay and it's just so it's just so much about you know what people and the same a lot of the same people that are commenting on these blog posts are the same people that are like hashtag stand up for the hills because they've done so much for our neighborhood but like, what, what, is they have, what have they done what exactly mm-hmm. i mean as a resident really a re- as, what do you those see those raggedy businesses no one's going in there okay <laughs> like no one is Tell going truth, to girl. hot diggity donuts the donuts are not good they're mm-hmm. just you don't even have a good product i heard they're frozen but go ahead oh i've seen them they're not they make them but mm, oh okay mm, i got sick um mm-hmm. violently ill actually um and then even when you look at like Butterbean and you would think that that would be so cool to have like a cafe, mm-hmm. you know, where you can just sit and work and just hang out and chill with your friends. People aren't going in there. Mm. I just drove by on the way to the studio here and there may have been a handful of people. Mm. Um, and I'm definitely not going to the brewery company. And listen, I would love to hang out on a rooftop bar on my Friday evenings, but not owned by them. So I'm just like, who, mm-hmm. no one's really going into these spaces and I don't know if it's because of the hills or because how they're marketing to a specific demographic of people or really if they just don't have the best product but if you're looking maybe at it doesn't it, have to a, be one maybe it's a combination yeah. it, of it all probably, it it's probably a combination is. I think of, of all of them because I've had several employees um, reach out to me too and say you know it's hard working for these people like you know he comes in he demands things that are unreasonable you know, we're getting paid, but it's like, you know, this type of stuff that we're being asked to do. It's crazy. You know, people are overworked. It's understaffed. Mm-hmm. You have one person on shift at night. Mm. Oh, yeah. Posing no, by you. yourself. No. Wow. At Hot Diggity Donuts. Well, it doesn't surprise me because no one's in there. Right. Nobody's right. But still, yeah. I mean, for your it doesn't matter what neighborhood it's in. It doesn't matter who it is or what type of company it is. Closing by yourself in any retail space is just not safe right. for your employee. And it doesn't matter if it's in a perfectly great neighborhood or anywhere, it doesn't matter. It's just, who's gonna who's gonna count them, you know, watch your back while you're counting the money? You know, if something happens, who's gonna, at night, it's dark, like that's not, mm-mm. I mean, and there's so many other great businesses on that corridor. I mean, starting with Croker Spot and then mm-hmm. you have Soul Ice and you work your way up. Now we have um, Pig and Brew. Mm-hmm. AJ has his waffle place. Mm-hmm. The art gallery is open. We have barbershops. We have salons. We have more businesses in that yeah. space. I am. I can go eat anywhere. Mm-hmm. 
just on Hall Street alone, I mean, and then you have just... But you're being served by your community. By my community. And I also have to say that um, my landlord, uh, Charlie Westbrook, he has been very intentional about the businesses and the owners he brings into those spaces. Mm-hmm. Because he's like, we rise together, we fall together. Amen. And so when we talk about development, we really need to have community development. Mm-hmm. That always needs to be before we um, make any types of plans. And so there's always this negative connotation with development because it generally has been bad because we Mm -hmm. generally have displaced people. We have erased folks. So Mm -hmm. it's like, what do we do? How do we move forward with community development, with focusing on that economic vitality and beautification and making sure that we have clean, safe spaces and that there are meeting spots for us to hang out. Mm-hmm. You, if you are a developer, if you are a business owner, you have to be intentional with your actions and making that happen. When they came in, the Hilts came in and decided that they were going to be, what, saviors of Manchester or whatever. Uh. They did come to some community meetings, yes? Yes, they came. They're everywhere. I mean, because they want to you know, be in the know about what's happening. So they came to a lot of neighborhood association meetings. They were at uh, council meetings. They sure were. They were at uh, district meetings too. Yeah. Passing out stuff. And but what was the reception? I mean, um, from what I remember, almost right off the bat, there were people saying, he's making racist comments. But then you also had people on the other side going, but he's bringing economic development to my neighborhood. <laughs> right. And so, I mean, like I said, that, that conversation has to be if you're sitting in a meeting and you have a developer and it's not just the hills, it's just in general. And they're talking about building new multifamily housing. OK, well, then ask them, well, how many of the units are going to be affordable mm-hmm. and what utilities are they going to bring? Are they going to fix the sidewalks? Are they going to be planting trees and working on green infrastructure? Like, mm-hmm. are they going to be advocating for actual services that we need within the community? I mean, and you can do that if you're the person is sitting right in front of you. Just ask them, have a conversation about that. Mm-hmm. And, and more people need to do that and more people need to use their voice and not be afraid of any potential consequences because I don't see any in asking like hey so you're here what how do you fit in and how are we going to work together to make this like a better place and a better process it's it's just a it's an ongoing process I would think of (laughs) abuse (laughs) neglect manipulation and then we fall right back into the place now which I which is where I feel like a lot of people are assuming that, you know, with him being arrested uh, last week um, and a lot of these uh, properties probably are going to get swept up in this bankruptcy um, flash sale that's probably going to happen to create some revenue that he owes to these creditors rightfully. Um, What's going to happen to those businesses or what's going to happen to the people that are employed there? What's going to happen to these rental properties and so on and so forth? You know, I mean, the investors are already circling, of course. It would be great if there are some honest people that are out there that are willing to invest. You know, shout out to the guy you just mentioned. Mm -hmm. You know, it would be great if those things were sold at an equitable rate. Likely, more likely than not, they probably won't be because they're trying to liquidate them, but also get the most out of them that they can. Right, because you can sell a big block of these things to one particular developer with Mm -hmm. lots of cash, and they're like, all right, sure. Right, they're going to be wanting to get the most that they can out of it. So there really is no community checks and balances. Yeah, and that's not really our fault. I mean, that's that's nobody's fault, uh, other than, you know, Mike, but it's kind of 
that's kind of the way that cookie that cookie crumbles in order for these creditors to get what they're owed, you know, as best they can. That's that's the the conservator's job is to try to do that. And so, and actually, that brings up a, a really good question. Mm-hmm. What are the checks and balances, and what role do our elected officials and city leaders need to play in making sure that this doesn't happen or continue to happen? Because this isn't the first time, and unfortunately, Mm-mm. it probably won't be the last time. Right. Nope. Well, what we probably and we've got do- multiple council folk right. that are involved in this particular area. There's yeah. A- there's an intersection of council yep, districts, right? There, there is, except for only one of them actually got a campaign donation uh, from Mike Hill, and that was Reva Trammell. Yeah. Got $1,000 from him in uh, 2019, and that's it. So you other council people that are out here gunning for um, him, especially the black ones, you should feel like an ass because <laughs> you didn't get any of that dirty stolen money. <laughs> Not a penny. But you're out here fighting for it, and you're out here advocating for him in publications, but you didn't get a penny. But, you know, Reeves got $1,000, hmm. which a lot of people have started a hashtag Reva just to let you know. You know, they're like, hashtag Reva give back the stolen money. I mean, I'm just saying. Hashtag Amy in the eighth. I, there you go. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You should have to give back that money, but, you know. I mean, so, I mean, and it also feels like it's always reactionary. Mm-hmm. Even, you know, you guys have covered the Coliseum deal as well. Everything feels reactionary. And it always feels like our leaders are being like, oh, my gosh, I didn't know this was happening. Or we should have a town council meeting or, you know, or it's mm-hmm. all, I'm like, always so surprised. You're so surprised. Like, so what are you mm-hmm. doing that mm-hmm. you don't know that people are coming into neighborhoods, mm-hmm. buying up lots of properties, mm-hmm. have these plans to make them historic designated properties mm-hmm. to benefit off the tax credits. Mm-hmm. And then you just don't know what's going on. Like there are Girl, let me tell records. you, there's a whole lot mm-hmm. to that because that's a whole lie. Because you know what? We have a certain area and this is going to be an issue in Northside. People aren't seeing it yet and they're not speaking on it. I've been saying it for I don't know how many years now. But Northside is about to hit a, a big gentrification crash here coming pretty soon because these neighborhoods are getting fast, quick, fast, and in a hurry gentrified. I can remember, and I haven't been back in this area, moved back to this area in you know quite a long time, but you know I remember when I was driving to the business that my family owns in Northside and it would have been, I mean, it would have been absolutely like a traffic stopper to see a white chick riding her bike down the street commuting somewhere on that, in that corridor. And now there's like a yoga spot and I mean, a whole bunch of hashtag white people issue, like a scrapbooking place and a dog. A scrapbook. Well, no, it's, Bro, it's, it's like, scrap crafts. It's like I have to scrap. admit that I love it. I live over there. I love it because it's like. It's, I mean, it's creative, but it's, it's like girls. Is that stuff. what they need, though? No. Okay. What they need is an after school program. After school programs, banks, grocery stores. All um, the banks have closed. The last bank that was in the neighborhood. Six was Points right around the corner bank, from me. Six gone. Points and Bank of America. It's done. Mm-hmm. You know, and so. So you don't got nothing. You don't we have got dollar stores. Yeah, we dollar got General. Lots of those. Yep. We got a coffee plot space that's opened up. There's this one chick that opened up. Well, we had a tattoo parlor that got shot up because that guy didn't know how to stop talking to um, white nationalists. But um, you know, something else moved in. I mean, it just I, look. Y'all know I ain't gonna have it, to There's some really nothing. strange. Um, even so, I've lived there what almost five years now in that area, mm-hmm. and there's some very strange businesses coming in over there, and they don't feel like the neighborhood and maybe 
maybe I'm being a little too close-minded. No, but no, it's not. I'm telling you what's happening. I don't mind saying it because right. I'm a business owner in the corridor. I don't mind. Um, what's going to happen is these barbershops, is, we call it Barbershop Row. Yes. Brooklyn Park, um, you know, that corridor, Brooklyn Park is, is Barbershop Row. Some of y'all in trouble. Some of y'all barbershops in trouble because they are actively renovating these buildings that are attached to y'all and they're working their way down the block. There's a, a yoga spot. Um, you know, a dog grooming spot, this scrap place um, across the street. You know, there's some spot that's, um, what does she sell? Like, May the United States oh, only one something. Um, uh, so it's like artisanal everything, but yeah. there's only like 19 things displayed at a time. Yeah, it's like just one. You just buy it and that's, you got it. You know, that type of thing. That That's where the tattoo uh, parlor that got um, shut and up And we is. do, we have some really amazing family run restaurants yeah, around like, there that we love. Absolutely. And we want to support more things like that because mm-hmm. food and family mean a lot. And not just there. that, but affordable but food affordable because food. we don't have a grocery store in that area and you're not getting fresh foods from um, Dollar General and the Dollar uh, Family Dollar that are across the street from each other. So, you know, even if it is affordable, uh, even if it is food, you know, produced food, at least it's affordable. And I understand. So I understand the need for revenue, obviously. And it, mm-hmm. this this area is hungry for revenue, but I really don't want them to fall victim to another Hills type scam. Well, because it, they're so hungry for the revenue. But here's and my it, issue it with that. It comes down though. to city policy. Yeah. So. It doesn't start with like a developer coming into a neighborhood. It comes Mm-mm. with the city and its ordinances that allows Bingo. the zoning to happen. Because what's happened now, that zoning is already there for the businesses and it's great because we've also got other black businesses that are moving in. Braun the Flower Guy or the Flower Guy Braun has moved in to a building um, there and he's renovated it and it looks lovely and he got a grant, you know, and it's there and that's great. But and you've got, you know, a lot of, you know, historical businesses that have been there for a while, you know, Trent's Barbershop, all these things. Um, Boogaloo's has just come back in across the street. You've got Nomads. Shrimps is there, which is great. Um, Michaela's been there forever, you know, with your sweets and stuff. I got I mean, so, strawberry shortcake. Yes. Uh, you know, all these businesses have been there for a long time. It's a nail shop that go right beside Michaela and that nail shop has been there forever. A lot of these places have put down roots and have been there for quite a while. But the problem is. When you say drawing revenue, the revenue is already there. There are thriving businesses that have been there and have been there for a long, long time. Yeah, absolutely. But there's a lot of abandoned, well, I guess I don't want to call them abandoned buildings. But, you know, there's a lot of empty shops. Well, and and so let's talk about where those empty shops, you know, a lot of, uh, one of those particular buildings was acquired by Dixon, who got a grant to fix it up and nefariously spent the money on something else and the building is still sitting there. Um, Several people have tried to acquire the theater and won't take the time to invest in it. And the problem is the people who show up that are of color, that are, you know, really wanting, and we've got a couple good um, developers of color that are really working on properties right now. There's a guy who's really killing it on Lamb Avenue. There's a couple people on um, North that are really working. I know there's a lot of guys out there, but you get people that buy property after property after property in Northside and they take that double incentive so you the city can't say they don't know because you've you know you've got historical tax credits that are getting helped with that 60-40 split between federal and state right, well, money and, and you've got Chris Hilbert as your uh, as your council <laughs> girl I didn't even there. go there yet but on top of that the city is Just also saying. throwing out 10 year and at one point it was 15 year tax abatement yeah so yes oh at one point, 15 But not for year. homeowners trying to make well, a house 
better no just for well the homeowners can get the tax abatements mm-hmm. i can't get it you can't get any more no, not no. the historical tax credits no i can't get it gosh because so, I'm, I'm i'm not an llc that's going to rent my house out well now mm-hmm. interesting okay mm-hmm. and so at some well at some point you, you actually the the historical tax credits yeah you can't you have to be an llc but the the uh, tax abatement was the tax abatement program was a little bit different at one point so if, if you're saying yeah, so, you know, so you think about it, you got a developer coming in, and I can get a tax abatement for 10 years mm-hmm. on this property, so I can basically abate it, you know, for the $60,000, $100,000 I bought it for, get historical tax credits to renovate it, basically get almost, if not half of my money back for the renovation and historical tax credits, and then jack the price up on this renovation to $400,000. Who's buying that? Yeah. Not Miss Lily that lived down the street, right. you know, that got forced out of our house because of another four hundred fifty thousand mm-hmm. dollar house that moved in next door. You know, I can't. She can't even afford to, you know, fix the termite issue she has in her house. Mm-hmm. But you're giving the guy next door a ten year tax abatement and access to a historical tax credit to rehab a house, and then they buy all five of them on the block. What do you think happened to the grandmas that live on that neighborhood that are on a fixed income mm-hmm. and that are, you know? really struggling to keep it together when you're raising the property values by, I mean, and it's going to end up being, it's going to be an inflated bubble. It's coming. What's going to happen to Richmond City when all of these 10-year tax abatement properties, you know, if that's, for one, look at the money that we're losing, one, in in tax, um, property taxes that are not coming in on all of these crazy renovations, especially in the north side area. But What's going to happen when those prop- those tax abatements get- and they're not giving out one or two at a time. Mm-hmm. They're giving, you know, they're giving them out in huge chunks. What's going to happen when those properties cuz what people do and they'll tell you, people will move into them and that's one of the things that you see if you look on Zillow and you're looking at a house it's like, "Oh, several years left of this tax abatement." And, you know, that's kind of what'll come come out. What's going to happen when those tax abated properties th- those tax abatements expire? Yeah. What are people going to do? They're going to leave them houses behind and move over to probably by that time, you know, their elementary school kids will be a little bit older. And so they won't be really worried about the neighborhood school. And then they'll just take them out and put them in private school anyway. It won't matter. (laughs) What I I would like to see, and this is something that we're working on in Manchester. um, So we've created Whole Street Action Uh to focus on the Whole Street Corridor to um, make sure that we have that economic vitality, but also we're focused on culture mm-hmm. and public spaces and making sure that things are, we're being very intentional about it because it's once again, community development. Mm-hmm. And we realize that there is no actual strategy or plan on paper for many of our neighborhoods. No. Why is that? There hasn't, hasn't been commissions um, that have been put together. Yeah, or crazy, right? We like master plans for everything else. It's, it's, it's crazy to me. It's like, why haven't we got, gotten stakeholders together to say, what do we want for our neighborhood? What, yeah. How do we mm-hmm. define this? And oh, so, there's a, I'm sure there's a plan. Mike probably has it. Yes, and he created a plan. Yeah, in his back pocket. I mean, and it shouldn't be that way. I mean, I have no problem with um, development. If it's a public-private development, or if we're all moving in the same direction here, it can't be. This is my vision for what I want to do and how I see things. You know, it has to be. Well, I'm going to come in 
and I have this cool project and this is how it fits into what everyone's trying to do. Like, I would like that for all of our communities, all of our neighborhoods across the city. And so what I really would like is for um, our neighborhood associations or if your neighborhood association may not be active, try to get some people together who are like-minded and sit down and say, these are the needs that we have for our community. We need grocery stores. We need access to fresh foods. Mm -hmm. We need to fix our sidewalks. We need more um, shade trees. We need to focus, make sure our kids have whatever they need whenever they go back to school. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, we should not be the ones who to lead all of this, but we are put in a position often to do so. And so if we start to take those initiatives Mm -hmm. and hold our elected officials accountable and be like, look, these are things that we need from you. And if you don't do it, we need to get them out of office. Bingo. That's just, it just has to happen. At this point, we can't just be lollygagging and holding hands and being like, oh, I wonder, and she said, or he said he was going to do this. I'm like, we are watching actual neighborhoods being raised over. Mm Mm-hmm people being evicted and displaced from their homes Mm -hmm. and then you come out when a crisis happens it should never be that way Mm -mm. because again like you said it's reactionary people you know the signs are there we're talking about it people are sounding off and i think someone mentioned it in our thread people from the very beginning said something is not right about these people and they were immediately bullied Mm -hmm. and pushed out of as many conversations as possible. And that's what happens. And so when you've got long-term people that are uh, (laughs) representing these areas, representing these districts, and that are not uh, transparently and accountable about these things, um, talking about them, um, talking about the plans, there's a problem and they need to go. Right, they can't just say, wash their hands and say, oh, well, that's not my fault. No, it is, it absolutely is partially your fault you allowed this to happen in your district and even when since we touched on that and then we're gonna kind of close out but you know people are doing the same thing with the navy hill plan you know this plan has been in movement for quite a while and of course you guys know we'll do a show on it we're going to talk about it been collecting data but we're at a point now where you know we've got a lot of people that are screaming oh my god dominion's involved and it's like, well, you're like six months late to the conversation. Right. Like, we're already past that. And we're getting steamrolled at this point. Mm-hmm. Somebody needs to get to the table and figure out where we're losing and where we could stand again and pitch that. You know, and I, I say that in full transparency of understanding that that was what we missed when in February when Northam bulldozed over black people that voted for him Mm -hmm. in office and we screamed you and miserable bastard get out of office when we should have been and that was a that was an emotional first response and i was the first one to say i was there i was doing it i was pissed i felt abused and used for my vote when we should have been saying you tricked us now you're going to pay for it and this is what we want yeah and now we're at Leverage. that point. Mm. People need to figure that out. Everything is about uh, strategy. And so many people, many of these politicians in Richmond, many of these these backdoor, what did Lily say? Bless her, bless her heart. Lily Estes would say these um, back rooms, smoke-filled, whiskey room, whiskey-filled rooms. That's what the deals are made. And by the time they get out on the table, mm-hmm. we're hollering about what's wrong with the deal when let's find the gaps in it and where we can fix it. Right. 
you know? And so if we're going to fix it, if, if these people have put out this type of this type of power behind these things, we need to be figuring out what we can leverage to get out of it. Because at this point, we're getting steamrolled. They're playing chess and we're playing tic-tac-toe. We're not even playing checkers. Right. Collective organizing. Hello. I mean, and going back to what you said earlier, shout out to all of the voices, specifically black women who were on the ground talking about this, because mm -hmm. that's how I knew about what was going on with Coliseum Deal yeah. as well as with Michael Hill. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, we do need to have a plan in place because it's one thing to show up and protest and you're kind of just with your sign and you're by yourself. But it's another thing to say, but this is what we want from the deal. Mm -hmm. This is an organized piece. And I, I'm hoping that people hear that and take that very clearly, you know, Right now, council is, you know, they've got these uh, this commission that's going to come up. You've got two oh-so-white chairs and co-chairs of this committee. And some of these names that came out, while there are people of color on there, these are high-level people, you know, somebody better start screaming and saying something. And none of the, uh, there's no requirement for anybody to, uh, on this commission, to live in the city. Mm -hmm. um, and these mm -hmm. are not community members, like yeah, really not that's on the ground community the people members. that are on the list all right now. very high level yeah so take a look at our ch our thread we did a thread on it um all the proposed names are there mm -hmm. where did these names come from where did these names they come came from? from the two um extra white elderly gentlemen yeah but are the co-chairs yeah but here's the tea that's on that uh-uh here's okay. the tea on that Ooh, give me here's the tea on that all of their meetings is chair and co-chair once they were um sworn in are now actively a public they're supposed to make all of their, they're actually yes. representing the people because of who they are as the commission. So every one of their meetings is supposed to be made public and it's supposed to be publicly announced where it's going to be. So how did you show up at the first publicly announced meeting with a list of people? Good question. Uh-huh. Mm -hmm. Yep. And that's what we're going to let it go for today because we done just bust all kinds of damn bubbles in here today. <laughs> so, you know, to just kind of tie us all in, you know, this is one of the things we need to talk about. We need community organizing and we don't need community organizing, community organizers fighting each other right. over Amen. who's more right. Amen. We need to be at the table talking about how can we make this best work for all of us. Yes. Let's stop chasing clout. Let's just get together. And oh, do stop the right chasing thing. clout. Stop chasing backdoor checks. All that. Yes. Stuff. Yes, please. Yes. That's <laughs> not how advocacy works and that's not how lobbying works. I think mm -hmm. that's the next level. We need to learn how to lobby Hello. for things. Not just get paid to have a voice. Yes, exactly. Mm. <laughs> that's a that's a good spot to end it. Mm-mm. Sheree, thank you so much for joining us today yes. and lending your voice um, to represent kind of the Manchester community as you know, as a resident there as a resident and experiences this stuff every day and who was actually right there from the beginning uh -huh. at the community meeting. So thank you so much for your voice. Absolutely. And thank you for having me. And for everyone who does not subscribe to their podcast, you should do that. And you oh. should also be a Patreon oh. donor like I am. I yes. give every month because these ladies are doing the work. Oh, yes. Get her a dirt bag. Yes, I got you a dirt bag. We got some dirt merch. We do. We got dirt merch. So we're always happy to for the support that people give us. We really appreciate it. How can people connect with you? Yes, and, and, and plug what you. you're working on right now because it's yeah. important. I'm working on all kinds of things. I know. Um, well, you can follow me on Twitter at mm -hmm. Sheree Shannon. So that's S-H-E-R-I Shannon 27. Um, you can also follow me on Instagram. But I 
not as active there. Um, look out for a new community uh, news and event website that's inclusive of all residents and it's not uh, skewed towards my own personal agenda or, or any propaganda. I want to make sure that we're talking about the community and representing all the lovely people who w- live and work yes. in Manchester and Blackwell. So I will be fundraising for that. If I ask you for some money, please help a sister out. Yeah, Because this is a never I've taken on uh, this year. So hopefully I will be able to launch by the end of the year, definitely by January 2020. Yes. Excellent. Oh, we'll be looking out for that. We're really excited about that. Yes, Thank yes, you. yes. All right, Fran. All right. Well, y'all know what time it is. You know what I'm saying? As always, Flint still has dirty water. And now New Jersey does too. Mm, damn. RPS is fully funded this year. We need to start working on next year, right now. And Richmond is most certainly still racist, but we're working on it. Talk to y'all next week. Head us up across all social media at RVA Dirt. See you next time.